Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, that's how fairy tales begin. But what we celebrate this evening is, is not a fairy tale. It's the most important event in all of history. How do we know that it's history and not a fairy tale? Well, our gospel doesn't begin with once upon a time in a land far, far away. In fact, our gospel is very specific about when this happens and where it happens. You know, we're told that it begins with a decree from the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus. He was emperor for a very long time, from 27 B.C. till 14 A.D. Well, you say that's, that's not that specific. But our gospel is from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2. And in chapter 3, when he's talking about the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he gives a more detailed timeline. He says, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee. And it doesn't stop there. He goes on with other names and offices. And The fifteenth year of Tiberius Caesar would have been around 28 or 29 A.D., and Luke goes on to tell us that Jesus began his public ministry when he was about 30 years old. So it pretty much sums up exactly when he was born. Our gospel also doesn't tell us that this took place in a land far, far away. It gives us a very specific location, Bethlehem in Judea. Bethlehem is a place that still exists today. It's a place that really from the very beginning Christians have, have made the journey to, uh, believers have flocked to, in order to worship at the birthplace of our Savior. And this past October, I was, I was blessed uh, to be counted among them. I was on pilgrimage in the Holy Land. And I'll say this about Bethlehem. We all love the hymn, O Silent Night, right? Song about the calm and in quiet Bethlehem night when Christ was born, well, there was nothing silent, calm, or peaceful about the Basilica of the Nativity when I was there. And that's pretty much par for the course, because inside this massive ancient church, it was filled with people from literally all over the world, speaking languages, some of them, that I've never heard. Not for a special feast day, not even really for a Sunday, for an ordinary October morning, these people gathered and lined up so that they might have an opportunity to bend the knee and venerate the spot where our Savior was born. You know, the, the group I was with, we were, we were blessed to be able to do that, but because we were a small group, about a dozen, we were actually able to sit, have Mass not far from the manger site, from this grotto, this cave, where... Jesus was born. And it was really just a little alcove. It wasn't like a separate room. So there was this much bigger space where there was this massive, unorganized line of people from everywhere. And then this alcove where the 12 of us barely fit. It was not ideal conditions for mass, right? It was, it was hot. It was packed. It was loud. It was distracting, right? Well, I began to say mass and... Despite the distractions, towards the end of it, I received something of a, of a special grace. 
Right before communion, when I held up the chalice with the consecrated host above it, like priests do at every Mass, and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. That moment, the distractions didn't really seem to matter, and it hit me. Jesus was back at the manger site. Jesus, who's really and truly present in the Eucharist, was back at the site of his birth. 2,000 years ago, he was held by the Blessed Virgin Mary, and on that day, he was held by my own unworthy hands. Now, it was a beautiful, special moment, but it also reminded me, and the reason I mention it, is it reminded me of this profound connection between Christmas and the Eucharist. You know, tonight we celebrate the mystery that God, who created the universe, became a man and was born of the Virgin. But in a very real sense, we do this at every single Mass. On Christmas, God became a small and vulnerable infant child, veiling his divine glory so that people might approach Jesus with love and friendship rather than trembling with fear. The same is true for us in the Eucharist. He veils his divine glory from us under the appearance of bread and wine so that we might approach him so that we might welcome him into our hearts and souls when we receive him in communion, so that we might come and cast our cares upon him when we bend the knee before him in adoration. Jesus came to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He continues to come to us day after day in the Eucharist. And this connection between the Eucharist and Christmas, we actually get a hint of it in our reading. You know, just take the town of Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. And it's a fitting name for the birthplace of Christ, who in John's Gospel said, I am the bread of life. Likewise, Christ was laid in a manger. How does this point to the Eucharist? Well, a manger is a feeding trough for animals. And the fact that Christ was placed there as an infant foreshadows that he would give us his very flesh and blood as our spiritual food and drink in the Eucharist. What we celebrate tonight is no fairy tale. It's the most important event in the history of the world. It really, truly happened. We know when it happened, and we know where it happened the little town of Bethlehem. And by the power of God, we are able to celebrate the mystery of Bethlehem at every single Mass. You know, if we really understood the reality of the Eucharist, not just understood the concept with our minds, but with our hearts also, then every Mass would be as chaotic as the Basilica of the Nativity is virtually every day. If we really understood the Eucharist with our hearts and our minds, then Mass would be filled to the brim with people yearning just to catch a glimpse of the sacred host in which Jesus is really present. Yet so often, we treat Christ in the Eucharist as the people of Bethlehem treated the Holy Family on that sacred night. They had 
no room for him in the inn. Too often, we have little, if any, room in our hearts for Christ in the Eucharist. Too often, we, we treat Mass as a, an obligation to get through, a task or chore to be completed, rather than the real and true encounter with Christ, an encounter with Christ that is just as real as the encounter the shepherds and the magi would have with him in the Gospels. <coughs> and I point fingers at myself, or I point my finger at myself first and foremost. I think we as priests who are blessed to celebrate Mass daily, it's easy for us to, it's easy for us to kind of be numb to the tremendous mystery that takes place on this altar at every single Mass. But this Christmas is a chance to start over. Today is a chance to adore the Savior who has been born for us, who's been born for you and for me, the infant child who is both Christ and Lord, and who a matter of minutes will be really and truly present on this altar. Just as Christ came to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, tonight he comes to Emporia. So let us pray for the faith to see beyond the veil at Mass. Let us resolve to adore and welcome our infant King really and truly present in the Eucharist. Welcome him into our hearts at Mass. May we always have room in our heart and soul for Jesus Christ really present in the Eucharist. <clears throat>